Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray that this message inspires hope, help, and healing in your life. And as always, welcome home. About understanding that for every battle, there's a basin. And one of the things we kind of seen in the series was this, I think, is that Jesus made it really clear in John 13, 1, to the disciples how important it is for us to understand that what he's done has now become a benefit for what we do in the earth today. Amen? And one of the things I started looking at for the battles of life, Jesus, before we even knew we needed certain things, showed up and gave us the ability to forgive, given us the ability to overcome, given us the ability to be everything that God said we could be. And we've started here for the last couple of weeks, and I think it's, I think it's kind of life-changing as we kind of walk into the season to see what Jesus is doing in his life. Amen. We've kind of walked in kind of like the Easter season moment and kind of carried it out because Jesus said, what I do today, you're going to remember later on. And now we're in the later on of life, and we're seeing what his life did and what his life means to me and you. Jesus in John 13 says this. He says, before the G- Jesus knew the feast of the Passover, when he knew that his hour was come, that he should leave the earth and go into his father, he basically went to them that he loved. And he understood this, that this is my moment in time. He loved his own, which were in the world, and he loved them until the end. You know, I've been kind of starting at this point, and it seems to be ironic. Every week, it seems like I get to the same spot. Jesus is getting ready to leave the earth, and as he's getting ready to leave the earth, he tells the disciples what he considered probably to be one of the most important things. Because I don't know about you, but in anyone's last moments of life, you know, it was kind of... um. I was looking at um, just a, you know, social media thing, and, uh, you know, I had a, a friend, and you could, you know, their loved ones getting ready to go home, and, you know, it put me again in remembrance. Just this week, I just looked, I said, oh, you could just see that the time is becoming short, and it always, it's kind of like, it's kind of ironic how it, it brings you back to a moment that when someone's getting ready to leave, they share with you what's most important to them. You know, I've sat, like I said, I sat with people in the church that were getting ready to go home. They knew their time was come. They don't talk about the baseball game. They don't talk about nonsense. You know what's funny? They don't, no one has ever really talked to me about the problems of life, the hurts of life, the cares of life. They talked to me about what they felt was most beneficial for me to know at that moment in life. So Jesus is getting ready to leave And he could talk about anything, but he does something that he knows is going to be most beneficial for them after he's gone. And he even said it to him as you go on. He says, Jesus knew that Judas, the betrayer, was coming, and he knew that he would go through a time. And we've talked about the pain of betrayal. And we understood that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things in him, that he was come from God, went to God. And Jesus rose from the supper and laid his garments and took a towel and girded himself. He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded. You know, this task is so menial but so appropriate because Jesus knows that as he gets ready to go do what he's getting ready to do, he's symbolically leaving them with something to understand. That if I'm willing to wash you in all your failure, you're going to have to be willing to wash one another in all your faults. And sometimes in life, it's not easy because 
we, it seems like life's almost unfair, and it probably is. But one of the things that I love what Jesus, he says these words. Simon came to him in verse 6, and who was Peter, and said, Lord, don't wash my feet. And Jesus answered to him and said, what I do now, you don't understand, but later on you'll know. And Peter said, well, if you're going to wash me, wash all of me. And Jesus told him, if all I got to do is wash your feet. Today, I want to talk to you about Peter's life because I believe Peter's life is a life of forgiveness. Peter, as we all know, had a little couple of hangups in life. He wasn't, he wasn't the greatest of the followers, and he wasn't the greatest example of faithfulness. And I want you to know that sometimes in life, we become unfaithful. People become unfaithful. We, we miss the mark. You know, one of the things that Jesus even said, and it goes on a little later in the book of John, it, it, he, he came to Peter at the end of John, because Peter seems to be just a little dysfunctional in his thought, and he's not understanding the whole appropriate moment. And he, and he kind of says these words in verse 36, and it kind of challenges us. Simon Peter said, Lord, where you go, I'll go. I don't know about you, but that's always my cry of faith. Lord, where you want me to go, I'll go. I'll follow. And I think each and every one of us in this room could find a place where we didn't follow too close. I think each and every one of us could say, you know, he says these words very boldly. He says, where you go, Jesus, I'm going to go. And Jesus answers, oh, where I go? You can't follow me. You'll follow me later. But the road I'm getting ready to walk in right now isn't an easy road, and you're not going to be able to keep up. You think about life sometimes, what I should have followed and maybe didn't follow, what I should have listened to, but I didn't listen to, where, where sometimes the road I should have been on, I got off of, and the shame, the shame. See, the Bible says poverty and shame will come to him who does not follow instruction. It's a law. It's inevitable. One of the things we see with Peter's life is this, is Peter's told directly what to do, but he can't do it. I don't know about you, but I think everyone in the room has followed a road and kind of gotten off the road because we chose to maybe make another road where we should have just followed. And sometimes in life, when you steer clear from the road you're supposed to be on, the pain of the moment seems to be too costly in life. Peter, you can't go where I'm going. He said, Peter said, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. I don't know about you, but I sound like Peter. I'm in. I'll do it. I'll go. I'm here. But then life gets a little bumpy. Life gets a little hard. Life gets a little difficult. Life, life brings different seasons. I didn't know we're coming, and it's not as easy. Because everybody in this room could have quit. You know, sometimes we become finicky and fickle about what we're going to tolerate. And, you know, I'm, about, I'm at my last straw, right? This shouldn't happen to me, and, I, and I'm trying to figure it out. Jesus just said, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter. Before this rooster crows, tomorrow morning you'll be gone. You don't know what's getting ready. You know, I like it because 
Peter asked a great question one time. Jesus was teaching about forgiveness and he said, hey, Lord, how many times do I got to forgive my brother? Nobody else had a question about it, but Peter did. He said, Lord, how many times are you going to have to forgive my brother? Is it seven times, seven days? He said, Lord, he said, hey, what is the deal? And Jesus said, you're going to have to forgive. Peter asked the question. He said, what am I going to have to do? What do how many times? Are you? He said, you're going to have to forgive seven times, 70. You're going to have to constantly be a forgiver. Because if you don't become a forgiver, you're going to become an unforgiver. And unforgiveness is a poison that destroys you and no one else. So you're going to have to forgive, and you're going to have to learn to forgive. You're going to learn how to walk in this thing. And I started thinking about Peter, because you got to look at the time span, guys, because the time span isn't as, 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 as long as maybe we think. And I want you to pull it into perspective, because Peter follows Jesus down a road that he can't follow. But Jesus told him you're not going to be able to follow. And you know what happened was I started thinking. I started thinking of him standing before a warm fire, but he's lukewarm and can't stand. I started thinking about, I started bringing it into perspective. Can you imagine the shame? Can you imagine the guilt? Can you imagine the pain? Can you imagine the morning thereof? What did I do? Can you imagine the, the pain of the moment? What did I, oh my God, what did I do? Why, he was who he said he was, but why couldn't I follow? When he, when he tried to walk, with John, John walked all the way in the high priest chamber, but I'm too scared to go in there, so I'm going to stay on the outside. I don't want to associate myself. I'll see, I'll associate. How about you? I'll associate with him when it's comfortable, but when it's uncomfortable, I don't want to associate with him no more. I'll associate with the Lord when everybody accepts me. But when, when there's a little pressure for me to be like, oh, I'm kind of a Christian, but if I get around my friends and start telling them like that, they're not going to really accept me in their life, so I'm going to have to stay on the outside, and I don't really want to let anybody know what I really believe because walking with him is going to make me not walk with them, and sometimes I'd rather walk with them with him. Listen, what are we backing up from because I don't want to get, who are you willing to hang out at the fire pit with and warm your hands, but curse and deny him because I don't want you to know that I believe in him. I don't know about you, but what road did he put me on? Well, I'm a believer today, but you know, I'd rather have a, have a social time than have a follower time because you know, everybody's got to have a life, right? I'd rather be, I'd rather be, and I'm not, there's no guilt and there's no condemnation and you can do what you want to do when you leave this building, but I know what I'm going to do. You can make every little excuse you want to make. That's your own business, but I ain't making excuses today. There ain't no excuse because he, he's willing to stick close to me when I'm not faithful. And there's nothing worth giving him up. But I got Peter on my mind because Peter's messed me up this week because Peter, can you imagine the pain? Can you imagine the rejection? Can you imagine the shame? Can you imagine the turmoil? Can you imagine the torment? Judas is like off the hook. He's gone. But I got to live in the shame. Look, let me tell you, it'd be like, you, you don't think people were talking? You don't think they were like, oh, there's that guy. You don't think, look, some of you, let me explain to you. Shame is this. Shame is miserable because shame internally destroys you and shame from the outside demoralizes you. Oh, here he comes. 
or here she comes, or you know what he did, or you know what she did, or you know what they do. Shame is a breaking of the, uh, of just down of the person, just not even in the mind, but in every area. Oh, you know what they do? And the little whispers, the little whispers wander through, the little whispers of people crying out about, oh, you know what? Because let me tell you something about moral failure. We're really good at recycling moral failure. We're really good with recall. You can't remember anything, but you can remember the recall of another person's moral slips. We remember these things. You don't think Peter was devastated? You don't think, come on, put yourself in his shoes. I walked with him. They knew he was. Identification with him had already been provided, and they said what? He said, I don't know that man. See, because in the pressure of a moment, you might make decisions that aren't smart. Peter, hey, you look like the guy. You look like the guy that was with him. I don't know him. I have nothing to do with him. Oh, no, you were with him. I know you was you. No, 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 it's not me. It's not me. You got me mistaken. It's not me. It's not me. And last but not least, he's the one, get him. He's like, I don't like him. I don't know him. And I curse him. Can you imagine when that rooster crowed? Can you imagine the sound that echoed through his heart when the prophecy came to pass? And now, now I'm done. Now, now I'm shameful. Now, now all I got is tomorrow morning. Can you imagine the next morning? I'm not even worried that much about the rooster, but can you imagine the next morning when it's over? I'm an outcast. I'm gone. The shame of my one moment in life, one moment in life has now destroyed my life forever. One bad decision has now shamed me for eternity. They'll be talking about me in the archives of heaven forever because I failed. What did you fail at? What did you fail at? What did you, what did you, what did you, what did you fail at? What did you mess up? What did you shamefully? What decision did you make? See, forgiveness is a weird sword because coming in and going out, it works both ways. Some of you made the greatest mistakes of your life. You got to forgive yourself. But then here's the other side of the coin. Somebody hurt you so bad, you can't even forgive. Somebody stopped loving you that said they love you forever. Somebody, 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 all right, somebody, somebody, somebody stopped, somebody stopped, Karen. Somebody stopped. Somebody hurt you bad. Somebody abused you. Somebody maybe did something vile and disgusting. The devil's for real. Don't think you got an imaginary evil being that doesn't work over time and trying to destroy your life. 
Maybe somebody assaulted you. Maybe somebody abused you. There's people in here today that have been abused. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. Somebody did something inappropriate to you. Somebody did some, Somebody took something from you in a moment of time. You don't think you could never get it back. And I got to find a way to forgive them. Somebody, you got to forgive yourself. See, shame is weird because shame internally destroys, but the outward shame is almost unbearable. So now I got to forgive me, and then I got to figure out how to forgive them. And I'm stuck in a world I don't understand, and I don't know what to do. And I only can see this is that Peter's showing me an example of something, and I'm going, how do you wake up on the day after the rooster screams, and now you're the outcast? Now you're shame-filled, and now all I've got is a history. Nobody remembers the good I've done. All they're going to ever remember is the shame I've committed. Nobody's going to remember how I did walk with them. They're just going to remember the day I couldn't. Nobody's going to remember the 20 years of being there. They're just going to remember the bad day I had. Nobody's going to remember all the days of faithfulness that I had in my heart, but they're just going to remember the one day I was off. Nobody's going to remember the 30 years of faithfulness. You're just going to remember the one day I had a bad day and I didn't know what to do and I made a mistake, but it cost me my life. Nobody's going to remember the season of faithfulness I did. Nobody, all they're going to know is I'm the guy. I'm the guy who denied him. Judas betrayed him, but he's not here no more. I don't even know if I want to be here anymore. I, trust me, it crossed his mind. Because I don't want to live in this shame and guilt the rest of my life. And how do I get out of this mess? So what's Peter do? He does what everybody else does that should be in this room today. It's too hard to walk with him, so I'll go back to what I used to walk with. How could they come and get so excited about him and then run back in what they ran from? Because it's easier to run back to what I'm used to than try to walk a road I can't walk. That's what it comes down to. They go back to what's familiar. They go back to what they know. Peter goes back to fishing. Can you imagine Peter in the boat? Can you imagine Peter sitting in the boat? Can you imagine Peter every day remembering the shame, remembering the pain, remembering, 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 Looking at the nets and remembering, boy, these nets used to look good, but they don't look good no more. Remember what it felt like to be on the upside, but now I'm on the downside. And every day, just, just broken and demoralized and, and, and shame-filled. And you say, oh, preacher, that's Peter. No, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about when he told you to do something, but you didn't do it. I'm talking about the mistakes of life, the things we should have known, the things we shouldn't have done, the road we should have been on, the people we don't want to forgive, the people that hurt us, the people that we quit on, the people that we did this, the people that that. I don't know where it is, but located for you today. And here's Peter one day walking through life thinking this is it, and this is the end of the road. And these are the things I started writing down, and I thought about it. See, here's the thing. Sinking people are always looking in the wrong direction. Peter one day fell in a lake because he couldn't keep his eyes focused on what he should have kept it on. And because what? He took his focus off of what he needed to keep himself focused on. He started to sink. And that's one of the things I found out. Sinking people are looking at the wrong thing. See, God will use people that have made mistakes 
and make poor decisions. But Peter's inability to follow almost cost him his future. Following is a weird word. It's the same word that we kind of use in the same way of accompanying in the act of following the disciple has to get an understanding of this. It's a union, a road to properly be in the same way with. So something in Peter disconnected from what was walking in Jesus. See, Jesus had it, but something in Peter. See, Jesus doesn't leave you, you leave him. Jesus doesn't leave anybody, but you leave him. You, you walk away. You get filled up with something else. You get too full of the earth. or I don't know what takes place, but something happens that following him isn't, isn't the road anymore that you want to follow. And I, and, I, and I read something, and man, it got me. And I want, you to, I want you to go with me, and I want you to go to Mark chapter 16, and I want you to look, um, and I want you to look at verse 4, and I think... This can really help you. Peter, in the most demoralized and broken state, in the point of the process, it was the Sabbath and stone had been rolled away. No, stay where I was. The Sabbath had been there and the day had been they arrived and they looked up and they saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. And watch verse 5. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And the women were shocked. It's the Lord. We know it's the Lord, but they didn't know it was the Lord. He's, where is he? But the angel said, don't be alarmed. If you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, he isn't here. He rose from the dead. And look at verse 7. They said, look where the body's laid. And that angel, the representation of the Lord Jesus, go tell his disciples. King James says this, tell Peter. Boy, never seen it like that, man. Oh, yeah, go tell the disciples, but make sure you tell Peter. Make sure you tell Peter he's not dead, he's alive. I don't know about you, but something in that, something in that wink of the eye or something, you know what I mean? Something in that glimmer in the eye that he's not dead, he's alive, and make sure you tell the guys, but make sure you specifically tell Peter. Don't, don't leave him on the hook any longer. Make sure he knows. Make sure he knows. Make sure he knows. Make sure he knows what? Make sure he knows. Tell the disciples, but tell Peter. Tell Peter. Tell Peter he's alive. Tell Peter he rose from the dead. Tell the disciples, but make sure you tell Peter because I know he's been beating himself up. 
I know he feels like the shame of the moment has cost him his destiny. I know the pain of a moment. And guys, what I'm letting you know today is this, is that the shame that's been committed to you has to be forgiven. And some of the shame that we've committed has to be forgiven. Now, I don't, want you, I don't want you in an abusive situation. I don't want you in a pain-filled situation. I don't want you staying around things you don't need to stay around. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying to you is this, though. I got to forgive. See, for unforgiveness is a bitter poison because as long as I keep drinking it, I'm killing myself. And if I don't learn how to forgive, I can't be forgiven. So now I'm in this stuck spot. But you make sure you tell Peter. Tell Peter he's alive. I don't know about you, but something in that moment go tell the disciples and Peter that he's gone before you to Galilee. He'll be waiting for you. I don't know about you, but can you imagine the hope, right? Could you imagine the change? Here's what you got to know. Write this down. Number one, you can have another chance at life. You can have another chance. We've made some mistakes. We've had some flaws. We've had some stumbles. But guess what? He's the God of second chances. Come on, somebody. He can turn this thing around. Amen? We're going to make some mistakes, but he's the God of the second. See, God, God allows people that have been through some stuff to do some stuff because God can use people. Life can seem like it's a minefield, right? One wrong move, one bad decision, one momentary lapse of judgment can explode in your face and change everything. What was one such thing that left you feeling like a failure? But see, I can't let one chapter of a book write the whole story. And I cannot allow the pain in the past to become the pattern of my future. I can't do it. Have you ever received a second chance? Did you get a shot, a redemption, an opportunity to learn from what you failed at? The apostle... Peter had no way of knowing how meaningful his life would become to many people. The apostle Peter had no way of knowing how meaningful his story would become to generations of believers. His story serves both as a conditionary opportunity for us to understand that we must follow, but also an inspiration to all of us that our less than perfect moments are not fatal. My less than perfect motive, my moments are not fatal. That means I could turn. That means I could change. That means I made some mistakes. That means this. Here's another thing. Peter demonstrated this. Write this down. Just how far someone could come back from a fall and still get back up again. Come on, guys. If Peter can regain everything, how come I can't? If Peter can slip 
and stumble from a village that seems so high. If he had a comeback, then I can have a comeback. If I've maybe created my own setbacks in life, guess what? That might be. But if he created the opportunity for Peter to come back, that means I can come back. That means I can find a way to put this thing back together. Remember this. Remember this. Here's the key. Peter had the ultimate comeback. Here's the thing. So can you. Can you? Do you dare? Can you overcome the past? It's going to take faith and something more. It's going to take courage. Here's what you got to remember. That's what it takes to shed the problems and mistakes of the past and to dream again. When shame and darkness hide all the glimpses of future, when we relinquish the past means an uncertain tomorrow. When you're at the end of yourself and about to give up, you could find refuge in the shadow of Jesus. Listen to the gentle whispers of his voice saying what? It's all right. I'm going to help you. I'm not going to leave you, and I'm going to give you strength. I want you to go with me to John chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 1, and I want to see it. It's a story. I think it's one of the greatest stories of forgiveness in the Bible. It's the woman that was caught in adultery. In John chapter 8, we find a woman who's in a, in, in a really tough spot, and he went to the Mount of Olives in verse 1. We're going to read. Let's just read the first couple of verses there. And early in the morning, he came into the temple, and the people came and sat down. And the scribes brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. When they had set her in the midst, they said, Master, this woman is taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? See, I started looking at this story, and it just as you would have, what a great act of forgiveness. What a great act of kindness. A lot of you know what's going on. But I started looking at the war- moment of how warped this situation really is. Because I didn't really understand this, but in the, in, in the history of theological terminology, what happens here is this. To be stoned to death for the act of adultery means not only did you have to have witnesses that seen you in the very act, there had to be more than one of them. Can you imagine how warped? What do they do? Do they peer through the window? To watch her moral failure? Did it's a setup. Wouldn't you have said, cut it out, stop? Anyone with a heart and their and their and a soul would have said, what you're getting ready to do is gonna destroy you, cut it out. Anybody with a right intention, with human compassion, maybe just even sense in their head, would have said, hey, instead of setting this lady up to fail, why don't we just tell her, don't do it. It's too deadly. It's too dangerous. That's why Jesus turned the table on them and said, how warped are you? You sit here and you want to pick out her flaws and you want to pick out her dysfunction and you want to crucify her for her sin, but you're the greater sinner because you set her up. And you set her up to get me, and I'm not going to get caught. But you're going to get caught in the desperate mindset of your warpness that you would set her up to fail. You're evil. Because you rejoice in this, trying to destroy someone. Stone her to death. What do you say? They tempted him to accuse him. 
They don't care about her. They used her. Somebody's used you. Somebody's taken advantage of you. Somebody was mean. Somebody was hurtful. Somebody was manipulative. Somebody was deceptive. Somebody that said is going to love you, stop loving you. I don't know. Somebody walked out. Somebody quit. You know, you know, I've seen somebody die, and because they didn't want to stay in the earth, leave, hurt the family, because why don't you want to stay here with me? I've seen it all. Why would you want to go? I've watched people sit on their deathbed and said, I want to go, and the family's face just sink in despair, because why would you want to leave me? Don't you want to stay here for me? Don't you love me enough here to fight? But you don't want to fight no more. I understand it, but why don't you want to fight for me? Don't you love me enough to stand up? And I'm in unforgiveness even though you're in pain because I care about me and I should probably let you go, but I'm selfish. I want you. And there's nothing wrong with that in that moment, but I can't live with that pain. Peter woke up in pain every day. I failed. Stone her to death. That's what she deserves. She was wrong. I don't care if it was a setup or not. She was wrong. But thank God we don't have to pay for every wrong. He lifted himself up and said, hey, you that doesn't have sin, you throw the first rock. You know the story. They left one by one, oldest from the youngest. Look at the next verse. And Jesus, you can stay there. You, you be the first one to throw the rock. You who's without sin. And he stoops down in the ground and wrote. I don't even think he looked up. And they, which heard it, being convicted. By their own conscience. So you should have been listening to that before you set her up. He's a master teacher. Maybe you'll listen to that next time. The accusers. And Jesus looked up alone. With her. Look at verse 10. He saw no one but the woman. He said in her, where's your accusers? Have no man condemned thee? He said, no man, Lord. But obviously, you're going to tell me something. Because you, you got the right to tell me something. You got the right to hold me in judgment for my sin. Because I sinned. You've got the right to, to hold me to my shame. Because this is shameful, what I'm doing. This isn't right. See, you can't, you, can't, you can't overlook the act being wrong. The act is wrong. That's just, there's no way about it. We've all done wrong, but I'm here today to tell you that he'll take care of your shame. 
And she said, yeah, no, there's nobody. She said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. The one that could have accused didn't accuse. The one that could have held guilt and made her pay didn't make her pay. And the one that could have told her what was up did what? Decided not to. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Wait a minute. Is this somebody going to kind of like correct me for my bad behavior? Is that, see, I did. I did correct you for your bad behavior because here's what I know. You'll never forget this moment. And I'm in a really bad spot right now because I got a funny feeling if I don't just show you how good I am, you might never be able to come out of it. So I'm going to let you kind of govern yourself because you'll carry this shame for a while. And trust me, it'll come back because it's like, it's like a haunting world, a canyon, a canyon of shame. It'll echo. It'll come back. But what you'll remember when it tries to come back is I don't condemn you. So don't condemn yourself anymore. Because here's the funny thing about pictures of the past. They find a way to come back. And no matter how good you and I are at them to overcome them, they're still going to speak into your future. The key is making sure they're not louder than what you believe about yourself. Because they're going to talk. If you look at your past, and I'm not here to tell you to be, Paul said, forget the past. Forget all of it. But he was smart enough to know this. The past is going to talk to you, but when it talks to you, think upon new things. Think upon better things. Jesus was a master of Philippians right here. He said, lady, let me tell you something. It's going to come back, but what I want you to know, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more because I got news for you. It's going to try to remember again in your mind. It's going to try to echo in the archives of your head. It's going to say, don't you remember this and don't you remember that and don't. Look, let me tell you, the pictures of the past cannot be the portfolio of your future. You got to erase them, but they're going to come back and say, look, I'm a master at this part. I know this much. I know your mind. Listen, your mind's going to show you pictures of your past. It's going to show you your failures. It's going to show you your flaws. It's going to show you your pains. It's going to show you your stuff. It's going to talk to you, but I got news for you. Your future has got to be louder than your past, guys. You got to be able to sit there and go, I know. And when he told this lady, he was this, lady, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to remember the day you were seduced. You're going to remember the day you were in denial. You're going to remember the day they stood there and watched like a bunch of evil villains and watched you fall in. You're going to remember when they pulled you up out of that bed and brought, you kidding me? They're going to sit you in the marketplace. Listen, they're going to sit you in the marketplace. You're going to walk in the grocery store and they're going to go, there she is. It isn't over. You're going to walk into situations that are going to be uncomfortable. You're going to go before people. It's not going to be comfortable. But I need you to know this. Look, I know enough to know your past might try to haunt you. But I'm smart enough to know that I don't condemn you. Because when they try to condemn you, you'll know I don't. You think her life was finished that day? You think she just walked out on a flowery bed of ease? You think she walked on rose petals for the rest of her life? Wake up. 
She walked out of a moment with a stigma on her. But that stigma didn't have to tell us her future. She's going to write her own future. Look, we've all been there. See, the problem with shame outwardly is everybody knows. But the thing of inward shame is this. I know. I think there's more torment in the inward one. Because this is going to sound crazy, but if you know what I'm talking about, the outward one is almost easier because I could feel pain. The inward one, I just walk and stay in pain. It's continual pain. And it's pain that never leaves. Outward shame is only subject to certain situations, certain environments. If you made a mistake, only so many people know. If I move to another state, nobody knows. If I move to another place, oh, nobody would know. Nobody would, nobody would care. Nobody would, nobody would even know who I am. But see, the inward shame is the worst because that goes with me everywhere I go. I can't get away from that. That's why people don't want to stay any longer in the earth. That's why Judas didn't want to walk another minute in the earth because it was too hard to live within himself. Peter's got a choice to make. How do I forgive people? How do I forgive people that don't really deserve forgiveness? Because their actions don't really quantify for forgiveness, but I got to forgive them anyway. That's the hard part. But make sure you tell Peter. Jesus puts the question of this woman's punishment upon their own conscience. He who's without sin, you throw the first rock. The story of grace might not have been written if it wasn't for self-appointed people who wanted punishment for her conduct, but not their own. Jesus said this, why don't you do yourself a favor? Why don't you take the plank that's out your eye out before I start talking about the toothpick that's sticking in somebody else's? We're so quick to be critical. We're so easy to recite moral failure. We almost flourish in it. We almost get it. We almost, we almost bring it up when we don't have to bring it up because talking about your failures makes me look better. Talking about your failures makes me feel better. Talking about what you've flawed makes me feel like I can live a flawed life. Talking about what you've made mistakes in makes me almost feel better about my mistakes. Tell you what, if I stay focused on your junk, I don't have to look at my own. I don't know why, but we're so quick to pull up moral failures. We're so fast to recall. We can't, we can't remember anything, but I promise you this. You start talking about somebody's drama, everybody can remember everything. Oh, remember? Something about moral slips that makes us almost... Almost, 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 almost brilliant in our own memory bank, but in certain things we cannot remember. But it's time for us to start looking at the good and start f- finding the people. If you've ever wondered how God reacts to you when you fall, frame these words and hang them on the wall. Read them, ponder them, drink them in, stand below them and let them wash over your soul. Or better still, take them with you. Next time you think about the darkest events of your life, think of this. I don't judge you guilty. Watch 
Watch carefully, he's writing. He's leaving a message, not in the sand, but on a cross. Not with his hand, but with his blood. His message has two words, not guilty. In John chapter 21, I, I, want, I want you to go there in verse 1. It reads a little different than when I read it the, this morning. But I want you to look at it. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself. And they were there together, Simon, Peter, and Thomas, and the disciples. And Nathaniel, and the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I go fishing. I'm going to go fishing. The others said they'll go with him. What was he thinking? What was going through his mind? You think his thoughts were on the sea? You think his thoughts were on the fishing? You think his mind was on Jerusalem? You think he was sitting there? What was he thinking? Why did I run? Can you imagine the thoughts that went through his mind? Why did I run? Peter ran and he turned his back on his dearest friend. Maybe he didn't know what was going on, but what? He told him, he said, I'll be with you to the end, but he couldn't be there to the end. Days later on the Sea of Galilee, the look still seared. It wasn't the resurrection that occupied his thought. It wasn't the empty tomb. It wasn't the defeat of death. It was his eyes of Jesus looking at him as he failed. Peter knew him well. He's seen those eyes before. Simon said, I'm going fishing. They said, we'll go. Caught nothing. But when the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore. Disciples didn't know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, children, have you caught anything? We didn't catch nothing. Cast that net on the right side of the ship. You'll find what you're looking for. Therefore, the disciples whom Jesus loved, John knew. Peter, it's the Lord. It's funny. Look at verse 7. I never thought of this a day in my life. Peter, it's the Lord. He heard it was the Lord. He stripped himself naked and cast himself in the sea. It's funny how Jesus stripped himself of the girdle to wash his feet. Peter took everything away and exposed himself to be cleansed from the shame. I don't know if it was a symbolic moment. It just doesn't really make any sense. Why'd you strip yourself naked to jump in the water? Just jump in the water. But something took place in that moment in time.
I'm so shame-filled, I don't mind being exposed to be healed. I've walked with so much guilt and shame. This is my moment. I don't care about my nakedness. My nakedness means nothing right now at the moment because he's the only one that could change my life. He swims to his seashore, and I don't know about you, but I think here it comes. This is my moment. Give me my punishment. Tell me about my, tell me about my sin. Tell me about my mess. Bring it. Whatever you bring, I can take. I'm naked. I'm exposed. I'm wide open before you. I'm okay with it. It's what I tried to cover up that destroyed me. So as I stand there, and Jesus, you want to know what? I remember right now when you went to that basin and you washed my feet, and I remember the humbling spirit. You took off a girdle, but I take and expose my life. You washed me to make me well and make me cleanse, but I, I didn't understand. But now I understand. I need you to cleanse me again. And don't just wash my feet. Wash my whole body because I'm dirty. And I can't get out of what's trapped in my mind. I can't get out of it. I'm trapped in the chaos of a moment, and I don't know how to get out. And I don't care if I'm naked before the world. I should have been naked before the world when I started this because if I stay naked before you and expose the trueness in my heart, I'll never be naked before mankind again. It's symbolic of shame when you got that you cover yourself. When the Adam and Eve in the garden, the minute they sinned, they took fig leaves to try to cover it. I'm trying to, I can't get away from myself. Who, why, why are you, why, who told you you're naked? How do you know you sinned? Why did you cover yourself? Why you got a fig leaf? Jesus had to go what? He had to slaughter an animal and say, put this on you. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. You can't cover up your sin. You can't hide your sin. You can't fig leave your sin. You got to what? You got to put the blood on that sin. My blood can wash you clean. My water can wash you clean. I can wash you clean. And he runs to the seashore and he meets the king. He looks at the eyes of the only one that can help him. And Jesus tells him. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, we invite you to visit us today at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. And as always, And Jesus looks at him and goes real simple and real cool. He said, Peter, do you love me? Got to be a setup. What, 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 what kind of question is this? Can you imagine what's rattling in his head? Come on, give me a break. I'm here. Come on, I'll th- I could take you. Tell me, tell me, I got to tell me what I got to do. I'll do it. Do you love me? Yeah. Then feed my feed feed my lambs. Okay. I'll feed the lambs. Gotta be coming sooner or later. He's gotta. He's gonna bring up something. He's gonna tell me like I told you. We're walking on the bridge. I told you. When I was walking across the land, I told you I was walking. I told you you'd do this. I told Peter. Do you love me? I said, Yeah, Lord. I you know that I love you. Yeah, I love you. You know I love you. I mean, I I I didn't know. See, I didn't know. See. When I was at the fire, I didn't, I didn't know how much I really loved you, but now I know because when I failed, I found out I really do care. I don't know why I made the decisions I made. Yeah, I know I love you now more than I loved you in the beginning when I fell in the lake because I couldn't focus on you. Yeah, I know now I love you. Yeah, of course I love you. I know I love you now because I could. All right, well, yeah, because when they said I was with you, I said, no, I'm not with you because, 
but I really loved you. Now I'm heartbroken, and I, I wish I would have known now when I know then and now I would have known. I would, yeah, I love you. I love you. Yes, I love you. Good, then feed the sheep. What? Feed sheep. Peter, you love me? Come on. Why are you asking me this? He's grieved. Why do you keep asking me? Why are you asking me, do I love you? Why are you asking me the same question over and over and over and over? Because Jesus knew, if you love me, we'll never be separated again. And you didn't love me the first time. Because if you loved me the first time, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Because if you loved me the first time, when they asked you, who am I? You would have said, I'm with him. If you loved me the first time, when they had you at the fire, you would have said, that's my Lord. Because death means nothing. Because remember this, I'd rather be buried in the dirt of honor than be buried in the dirt of betrayal. I'd rather be buried in the casket of honor than to be buried in a casket of betrayal. Do you love me? Come on, Lord. Man, why are you asking me this? We all failed. He doesn't say nothing about it. I made mistakes. You made mistakes. I'll make more mistakes. He was grieved. I know. He got them. Take that right there. This, man, I'm telling you what, this will make you cry. He knew, he knew he didn't have it. Jesus, good God. Watch. When Peter said he could, when we say we can, he knows your heart. You knew when I told you the first time, I couldn't do it. See, you go to the Lord and say, I can do it. He knows what your heart is. You know all things. You know what Peter was saying? He's saying this, I'm exposed. You know my heart. You knew the first time I wasn't going to follow you. And now you know this time I will. Okay, good. That's all. I, I need you to know that you know. You love me. Feed my sheep. I've been telling you for years now proof of love is in the willingness to listen the proof of love is in the willingness to obey the proof of love do you love me obey me the proof of love is in the willingness to listen you can tell me you love me but show me you love me you can tell me you're going to be there, but show me you're there. Proof of love has been found in the willingness to listen. Peter, you love me? Yeah. Good. We'll never have this conversation again. But here's my question. Peter had to forgive himself. 
Jim Solio. And you're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to forgive unforgivable people in the eyes of you and me and society, to tell you the truth. fair. I know. I'm going to forgive by faith. And I'm going to let them go so I can be free. Because if I let them go, then I'm free. Today, we look at that basin Jesus, right? He said, you guys don't have no, no idea. I do it just quick. So you, but you got to catch it. He said, you don't know what I'm doing right now. You don't know. You don't know. But each one of you guys got something. I'm going to wash. And just like he did. You know I asked myself a question this week. I said, did he change the water after each one of them? I don't know. I don't know. But he took it out. Who you got to forgive? So he did. He went, Peter, you're next. Come on. It hasn't lost its power. next, Peter. Did he hurt him the most? I don't know. Was it easier to get over Judas, but not him? I don't have a clue. I don't know. Judas, he said, what you do, you do quick. Get it over with. Somebody's got to do it. Might as well be you. Could have been any one of you. You just do what you got to do quick. You want to kiss me before you do it? Fine with me, but just get it over with. But Peter, you're breaking my heart. You're really breaking my heart because I think you could have, you could, you could have made it, man. I was stuck with because don't wash that betrayer because man that means I got to wash the betrayers don't wash him don't wash Peter leave him alone skip him he didn't even want you he's over he's goofy he can't even get it straight when we're here he wants you to wash his whole body he's weird go around him don't wash them, man. Because if you wash them, I got What I do today, you'll remember tomorrow. What I do today is for your sake. So I got to wash them. I got to wash the under... I got to wash. Jesus said, what I don't let someone else free from, I can't be free from. Who do you got to forgive today? 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, we invite you to visit us today at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. And as always, welcome home.